Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, buddy, it's Thursday morning, and that means it's time for another Lifestyle Business Podcast, where we believe building a business is the ideal way to create more freedom and opportunity for you, your family, and those around you. And those around me is my captain, my co-host, the CEO, yeah, the man who puts the boss socks, the boss, the boss, I think the boss into boss socks, the man who puts the business into lifestyle business. What's going on over there, Ian? Word. If you guys stick around to the end of the episode, I'm going to share with you the stickiest apps of 2011. That's out of all the quick tips, out of all of those software programs you install on your computer, we'll share the top three from my favorite podcasting entrepreneur. Do stick around to that one. This podcast has received four five-star iTunes reviews last week. Thank you to me, Jensen, to Jido504. I think I say, yeah, buddy, way too much, Dal. Thanks to Daddy Doug. Five stars. Take off your party pants. Put on your business pants. And thanks to Scott. I cannot pronounce names. Thanks to Scott. I got that one down. This is my current favorite small business and startup podcast. Great practical advice and no BS. So let's just cut the crap in. No more BS. We got a question from Michael Greco. He's saying he's having a tough time saying organized. How do you get everything in gear when you feel like your life is going crazy, your business is taking over everything? What's your number one quick tip, Ian? Quick tip is to simplify and read GTD. Exactly. If you haven't read Getting Things Done, the hype is totally worth it. Go read Getting Things Done and then get back to us and we'll take it to the next level after that first step on your part. Brian from CAD Sourcing LLC. That's CAD-Sourcing.com. I love this kind of business, Ian. Yeah. I think there's such a huge opportunity to take high-level skill sets and outsource them. Brian wants to know some trade show hacks, and he's got a, a lot of questions here, but I just want to share two trade show hacks that have worked for me because we've been to a lot of these kinds of things. Top two tips about going to a trade show, Ian. Number one is I will go to trade shows and hustle. Hustle the floor. If there's people presenting that I want to be my customers, I will go hustle them up at the show. And I basically use the inspiration from our Get Paid or Get Laid episode, so you can go back and download that, to make cold approaches to people at trade shows. And this is kind of tough, but man, you'll be surprised at how cheap it is to generate 100 leads. I mean, you could generate 100 warm-ish leads in the course of four to five hours. And, you know, there's not a lot of places you can do that in such a targeted manner. Have you ever done cold approaches at a trade show, Ian? Yeah. You've got exhibitors who are your customers. And uh, potentially, your customers are also walking around. So you kind of have to, like, read people's name tags as they're passing you. Uh, it's kind of a weird thing. But uh, usually walk around with some kind of folder with some uh, presentation materials in it and you open it up like a door-to-door uh, -door salesman and, and you start a conversation with them. So it's a little awkward, but yeah, if you go back and listen to that episode, we talk about some of the techniques that we use to make it a little bit less awkward. 
Yeah, and you know, people aren't really hip to being sold to at these trade shows. You know, they come there to sell their stuff. They don't want to buy your stuff. It's really important that you script this stuff out. You think about it beforehand, what your hooks are, what your approach is going to be, how you're going to organize these conversations. And what I would do is I would ask them for the business card. So I do these smaller opt-ins like, oh, can I get your business card? And like once they agree to one thing, it becomes like a snowball, right? So I started asking them questions and I would write down the information on the back of their business card. My main goal in talking to these people was to get a buyer's contact information from their company. And this was a knockdown drag out method. In fact, I've spent a lot of time doing this and that's just pure hustle. And you even have to hustle your way into the trade show because you're not supposed to be there. So this is, this is old school knockdown drag out hustle. That's one tip, Brian. Another way to do the hustle is exhibiting is expensive as all get out. So my recommendation is to avoid exhibiting at all costs. If there's any way you can hustle up a shared situation with a complimentary company, and when you do throw down that big money to exhibit, which we've done in the past, make sure you've got some incredible hook at your booth. So many companies leave it on the table. They spend 16 grand to have a booth and then they stand there like zombies. I mean, absolutely at least be doing some kind of giveaway, have some kind of gimmick. One year, the fashion show Mark Echo did this incredible thing where he bought a booth and then for some reason he couldn't afford to fly his people out. So he just stuck on like this construction site in the middle of this trade show floor. He put Echo was here and like bumper stickers all around his booth and it caused a huge stir. And so I think being creative with your booth, don't put a couple two-bit salespeople in your booth and think that that's going to make you money. Trade shows are becoming a worse and worse investment, but if you can limit your cash up front and get in there and hustle up some leads and demonstrate that it's a good show for you, then maybe you can plunk down the cash to exhibit the next year. In the way that these trade shows are organized, it gets really expensive to move stuff around. One more quick tip here. If you do have somebody that you can share a space with, a lot of times they try to discriminate against us. But one thing that you can do sometimes is uh, to set up a computer with uh, your information on it or your website on it and then just have the person in the booth kind of direct someone that might be interested toward this computer and that way you don't have to stand there in the booth. So you can save yourself from going and it's kind of like a sneaky way to get your information into the show. Absolutely. Great tip. Hey, we got a call this week from Joel Runyon. It's a great question. Let's let that one run. Dan, Ian, this is Joel Runyon. How the heck are you guys? Dan, you tweeted something a couple weeks back that Ian was nominated for something in San Diego for one of the most successful people under 30 years old or something. I guess I realized that you guys are both under 30, and if you guys quit your jobs two, three, four years back, that would probably put you guys at 25, 26 when you quit your jobs. And so my question for you guys, and I think I would really like to hear, how did that transition take place? What was the mindset, and how did that transition actually occur. I think we've heard a little bit about it. Anyone's ever heard the whole story. So I would love to hear that from you guys on a podcast one of these days. That's all I got for you. I'm out. All right, Joel, man, I think this would take a couple episodes. There's so much to this story and it's complicated because these things happen in such unique ways for every person that ends up changing their life in such a huge way. But can you share with us some of the sort of emotional transitions that happened for you way back in the day, back four years ago now. I can't believe it. Yeah, I think uh, Joel and I are pretty similar in a lot of ways. 
after listening to that. So I'll tell you a little story here. When I first moved out to San Diego, it was with uh, one of my good buddies and it was right after um, college and we didn't know what we were going to do, but we knew that we wanted to move to California. I'd been to San Diego for about 30 minutes before (laughs) in the last year. And so we said, yeah, let's move to California. So we ended up in San Diego in our uh, crappy a little one-bedroom apartment. Uh, He slept in the living room and I slept in the bedroom. I'm not sure how I pulled that off. One day, as we were running out of cash, we were sitting there in front of my computer, which was on the ground, trying to figure out what we were going to do for money. The post office was hiring, and then we had all these entrepreneurial ideas. So one of them, uh, I had just gotten out of design school, and I was really passionate about some of these pet products that I had designed in design school, and I knew that they could be successful. So every day, I'd kind of start working on them a little bit more and more. I'd design them, and then it finally got to the point where I realized that I didn't have the resources to actually develop these things. I didn't know how to manufacture. I didn't know anything about distribution and supply chains. And so I kind of abandoned the idea until I started working for a manufacturer. That actually took probably two years after having those ideas and sitting down in the living room in my crappy apartment before we could actually, uh, you and I could actually really start to dig into these ideas. So that is to say, Joel, I understand where you're at. And I think probably uh, some of the ideas and some of the things that you're working on right now are really valid and they can probably make you a a bunch of money, but it might not be the right time. Uh, For me, I know it wasn't because I didn't have the resources to execute on the ideas until much later on. So I kind of shelved those things that I didn't have the resources for, knew that they were good ideas, but also knew that I needed other important skills and knowledge before I could actually execute on those. So I think it's important to keep that idea, that vision in your head, if you think it's going to be valuable, and then just kind of work on the things that you're going to need in order to make that something that you can execute on. Everybody sees people who are executing on great ideas and they're making a great living from it. And oftentimes the response is, oh, I could totally do that, you know? But what, what's different for each individual is that resources and opportunity window. I mean, there are windows that like, you had this whole few years where you were designing cat furniture and stuff, but you didn't have the proper resources to bring them to market. But what's interesting about that story is that you kept the narrative going. You didn't never broke that chain of like wanting to be the person that could deliver those products. So every new person that you met, every new job that you got, you kind of had that personal constitution of like, these are the kinds of things that I want to do. If I were to draw a lesson from that, Ian, is one of the things that never stopped in my mind was when I was working at that Fortune 500 company and when I was running that small business that was 35 people and spending 70 hours a week focused on my job, there was still that huge part of me the whole time that knew what I wanted was to travel the world. Like I knew I wanted to be an expat. I knew I wanted to see new places and be an adventurer. And I guess my one piece of advice is like, let that be alive. I think that that's one thing, Ian, that you were better at than me. Like I was a little bit more self-effacing when I had a job and like I would rationalize that part of myself a little bit more. Whereas I saw you as a stronger person. Like you were always like, no, like one day I will be an entrepreneur and I will be the person that brings these things to market. And 
you were able then to take the best things from your job and pile those resources onto that individual ambition, which is what it takes to get this stuff done. Yeah, I think it's really important to let it live and to have a vision. You can't outsource the vision. So it's really important that you have a good one and a strong one, or at least one that you're passionate about and you can be passionate about for the next several years. Cat furniture isn't making us a rich hand over fist, but it is definitely propelling part of this lifestyle for us. It's keeping the lights on. And, you know, I wasn't ridiculous to think that I wanted to travel the world or I wanted to live abroad and I wanted to run a business while I was doing it. Like, you know, every part of me that thought that was foolish back then, I wish I could just go back and say, no, it's not ridiculous at all. If somebody else has done it, you can do it too, you know? I wish I would have let myself have that a little bit more in retrospect. So again, that comes back to your vision point, Ian, which is just sit yourself down and say, what the F do I want in life exactly? And hell, it might take three or four years, but you're going to have a hell of a time going out there and getting it. And that's been my experience. So that's the best I got. We got to get moving on to the meat and potatoes. We're going to talk today about four things that you don't know about hiring. So Jed Bickford wrote us a great email asking us, he'd like to hear how we delegate, indoctrinate, I don't know, (laughs) and get momentum with our interns. How do you inspire people that work with you? And I'm not exactly sure if we do that, but at least we're going to share our perspective. These are four things that you guys may not know about hiring. The first thing is, is that you need to do it. You know, in our interview last week with Sean Ogle, one of the things he said that was great is that you cannot do this alone. And even coming from Sean right now, he doesn't have any full-time employees and he's a solopreneur, but he still understands the importance of team building, of uh, networking, of reaching out to influencers. And to me, you know, the next step in that is building teams. And, you know, so many people think, you know, I don't want this to be a hassle. Therefore, I can't have employees, right? Or I don't want to pick up the phone. Therefore, my business can't have a phone. Or I don't want to respond to emails. This is a classic one. I see so many people who don't want to respond to emails within two hours. So then they put on some stupid Tim Ferriss autoresponder that says, I'm not going to check my email for the next four hours. Here's the thing, Ian. Most successful businesses, they're on that email in one hour. Screw two hours. And the thing is, is there's a big distinction between what your business does and what you do. So you don't have to respond to emails in two hours, but you better sure as hell have somebody that's on your team that's doing it. You might need to hire somebody to do that. So when we talk about hiring people, about two and a half years ago, I guess, we had our first hire. I was counting the other day. I think we have something like 15 people working for us right now. What? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yes. (laughs) I can't believe it. It doesn't feel that stressful. In fact, it feels a little bit less stressful because there's more momentum. Right. And so that kind of leads into our second point, right? Which is it can be cheap. So our first hire was not necessarily cheap, but subsequent hires after that were fairly cheap. There's all different kinds of ways you can do this. You could offer an internship. I mean, Ian, you've done two or three free internships there in California, which essentially you know, allowed you to test out new people for free. And then we hired one of them for a full-time real deal healthcare, like the whole nine real employment. You could do something like the tropical MBA where you insource people to your tropically awesome location and pay them less because you're going to teach them valuable skills. You're going to help them with their business or you're going to give them a great lifestyle. You can go to Elance, 
You can go to Odesk, you know, these classic per project outsourcing, peopleperhour.com. Um, you know, I would recommend going to virtualstafffinder.com if you want to get a virtual assistant in the Philippines. Uh, what's this Solvate solution? I haven't used that or been there. Yeah, our buddy Matt just turned us on to uh, Solvate the other day. It's basically like outsourcing a professional. So it says something like 20% of the people on there have Ivy League degrees. It's basically like outsourcing high-level things or high-level projects. It looks pretty interesting. I actually just went on there today for the first time, but I hope to uh, dig into it a little bit deeper. And when I think of business, Ian, this is one of the points that I drill down on with this sort of cart before the horse thinking. It's like, you know, oftentimes when we start a new business or develop a budget for a new project, we'll say, you know, what kind of team does our ambition require? And it's very rare that the kinds of things we imagine for ourselves can be done by one person, especially when you've got a bunch of other stuff going on. So we were always quick to hire. And I think that that's a success trait. You know, Sebastian Marshall told me, what are the two things that successful people have different from people that aren't so successful. And the two things he pulled out from everybody he's talked to and all the biographies he's read, number one, successful people get more shit done. And number two, successful people build great teams. So let's move on to the three. Speaking of building great teams, it's a ton of work, but it's worth it. And I think one of the biggest mistakes, Ian, that people make when they hire a virtual assistant is that they don't spend enough time with them. Yes. So when we hire somebody, or I'm thinking of a couple of people that we've hired specifically, I mean, it's like essentially you spend 30, sometimes even 40% of your day in the beginning getting this person up to speed, but it's totally worth it because, I mean, geez, I, I still spend a good portion of my day that we uh, work with. And it's really important because for a couple of reasons. One is that it takes a long time to kind of get your vision out of your head and get it into other people's heads. And essentially, that's what you should be spending a lot of your time doing. You are exceptional at this. I mean, I know you spend tons and tons of effort, especially, you know, you are working with some of our really big investment, uh, high dollar level employees, and you're getting incredible in-depth coaching, like granular coaching. I mean, people get off the phone and you're talking about word choice with them and the philosophy behind the word choice. And, you know, these things are meaningful. Details count. And the bottom line is that if you are one of these people that is just insistent on doing everything yourself, you're losing a huge opportunity to create a business. You know, entrepreneurs don't work by themselves. They create scalable systems and nine times out of 10, those systems involve people. Right. And here's the thing with this pouring your vision into somebody else's head. The reason it's so important is because the people around you, the people that you hire are basically extensions of you. So if you can prove to the world and to the market that your ideas are successful, then you need to get more people working on that kind of same idea. And to do that, you have to import these ideas into other people's heads. And so essentially, they're extensions of you. So let's talk about number four, my most incendiary point. Because everybody, Ian, is always asking me, you know, how do you manage your team? And like, how do you delegate the task? And what are the things that they should be doing? And all this kind of stuff. And my point is this, which is number four, which is delegation is the most overrated business action or term ever. You brought this idea to me maybe like three weeks ago. Um, it's pretty new for me. I think it's really good. And I think about it a lot these days. To me, 
delegation is this classic concept and, and oftentimes people start thinking about it when they get that first virtual assistant. They think, all right, well, I'm, this is leverage for my time. So I'm going to spend 30 minutes every morning giving this assistant tasks and then they're going to work on that for like four to eight hours. And that's this huge leverage. The problem is, okay, now you get your second virtual assistant and then it's an hour. And then you get your third and then it's an hour and a half. And then all of a sudden there's some complications because there's miscommunications. And so you're losing a little bit of leverage and then there's some personnel issues and there's a little bit more leverage lost. But the one thing about delegation that nobody really realizes or people don't talk openly enough about is that it's a creative task. And that's what kills me about it. Because you wake up in the morning and you have to say, what do I want the world to look like for this person? What am I going to tell them to do? And that to me, 100% unacceptable because the whole point, the whole reason that I hired people in the first place is that I want to preserve my best creative hours for the work that I need to get done. And delegation ruins that. So what is the replacement for delegation? Inspiration. And that comes back to our number three point, which is you need to create a, an extension of yourself. Even if that person is in the Philippines being your virtual assistant, they need to be inspired by your vision and self-propelling. Another word that comes to mind when we're talking about this is ownership. I think it's really important to give people ownership over the projects that they're working on. For example, we've got, geez, probably a dozen websites by now. And uh, it's really important that everybody working on those uh, sites feels a bit of ownership. So you and I don't have to go through those sites every day and say, well, this needs changing, this needs changing, that needs changing. And this is something that we had to do not too long ago. But we're finally starting to get people on board that are taking ownership, that have been inspired to the point that they feel like they can make things happen. And now they're in charge of those kind of things. And if you are insistent on being Mr. or Mrs. Overlord to your staff, you're essentially being the taskmaster. You're being the person who's just head down in the weeds. You need to be the entrepreneur, the visionary, the person that is finding a way forward for your organization, for your people, and for yourself and doing the hard stuff. And trust me, the hard stuff isn't figuring out what to delegate. So that's absolutely important. Now, might you lose a little bit of productivity from your staff in the meantime while they get up to speed and all that stuff? Sure. But that's a much lower cost than you freeing up your creative energy to go and do the hard stuff. So thanks for the question, Jed. That's the meat and potatoes. Let's get moving to the quick tips, tricks, and or maybe actually we are going to bring a funny joke this time. Rob Walling from Startups to the Rest of Us was kind enough to send us in a quick tip because last week we did our sticky apps quick tips and you know we both have these apps installed on our computers and it's like there's so many apps out there you just want to know all right these guys like they're really doing a lot of work on their computers they're exposed to tons of stuff what are like the two or three ones that they can't live without and so I went to Rob Walling from Startups to the Rest of Us one of my favorite podcasts and he was kind enough to send in a really useful quick tip section. So we are going to play out with Rob. Be sure to check out his podcast. If you like our show, you'll love his. And that's about it. We'll see you guys next Thursday morning. Thanks again to Rob for the huge shout and the quick tips. Catch you later, Ian. Booyah. Hey guys, it's Rob Walling from the Startups for the Rest of Us podcast. I'm a big fan of the Lifestyle Business podcast. I'm honored that you asked me to be on here to share my 2011 picks for sticky apps. So I have uh, three apps. Uh, the first one is Instapaper. 
A lot of people may have heard about it. But the more I've used it, I found I just can't live without it. In essence, Instapaper winds up being a bookmarklet in your web browser. And anytime you come across an HTML page that you want to read, you just click read later. It saves it to the Instapaper servers. And then when you get on your iPhone or iPad, you can just pull it up and it has all the text saved. It removes a bunch of the formatting and a bunch of the junk. And you know, if you sync up with it, then you don't even need to be online to, to read that article later. Basically, think of it as a read later button, and it's worked out really well for me. The next one is Simple Note. Some of you may have heard of it. It's an iOS app. You can also access it via a web browser. Now, I used to use Google Docs. You know, I still do for a lot of things, but if I know I'm going to be editing on my iPhone or my iPad, I, I hate booting up the browser, going to Google Docs, finding it, and then the editing interface is really clunky in Google Docs. I, I don't know what they've done, but it, it's actually hard to edit stuff well. So Simple Note is an iOS app, and again, you can access the same files through a web browser, and basically think of it as Notepad that is collaborative. So you can just share it with someone by tagging it with their email, and so you create a new Notepad file, you can keep notes, and then pop their email in, and if they download it, you know they also are able to see it and edit it. And so my wife and I use it for a shopping list that we collaborate on. So we've done away with paper and I'm in a mastermind group and all of us have it installed on our iDevices and we keep meeting minutes that way instead of trying to do Google Docs. So really like Simple Note. It's also a free app. And finally, there's an app called Slick Run. Essentially, it's like a keyboard shortcut for Windows. You can program any keyboard shortcut to pop up this little dialog and then you just type in a pre-programmed shortcut that you create. So for me, I go Alt-Z and then I can type in Maps and it opens a web browser and opens Google Maps. Or I can type in Alt-Z Calc and it pops open the Windows calculator. Or I can hit Alt-Z ads and it pops open the browser and opens my Google AdSense dashboard so I can see something. So it's stuff you have to think about in advance. You know, it's typically the row of, of shortcuts or bookmarks you might have across the top of a browser. I program them all in as keywords. And this, in essence, allows you to, to map it to different apps. Like I said, even open specific URLs within apps. Slickrun has really been a, you know, a productivity helper for me because it allows me to keep my hands on the keyboard more often. And for a bonus sticky app, Glide Floss. Ladies and gentlemen, after Dan talked about this, I went on Amazon, I bought a six pack of Glide Floss. And I gotta tell you, I'm never going back. So thanks again, Dan and Ian, for asking me to come on the podcast. Really appreciate it. And uh, if you're interested in hearing Startups for the Rest of Us, that's my podcast that I do with my co-host, Mike Tabor, where we talk about software entrepreneurship and micropreneurship and just getting it done legit style. You can come to startupsfortherestofus.com or you can go to iTunes, search for startups in the podcast area. And we are, I think, the second or third result for that keyword. So thanks again, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything.